Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, our big questions about what a House Republican majority would look like. Number two, another bad poll for President Joe Biden. And number three, the White House is amping up its efforts on that semiconductor bill. All right, Jake, let's get into it. You have been basically a House Republican whisperer, cover, chronicler, all of those things uh, for the past decade plus. Uh, and now that is coming to fruition as Republicans are poised to likely take control of that chamber. Uh, there's a lot of outstanding questions about what that might look like. Um, but why don't we start with um, the the person of the hour, the day of the week, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, so let's, you know, this is this is something that you and I and Brez have been covering together for a long time. And um, leadership races kind of are our, um, they're important. Not only are they interesting to cover, they also set the stage for a majority. So you, we can't cover this enough, as you and I were just discussing. This is something we're very, we're very focused on. So let's let's talk about this is going to take a couple minutes. So so buckle (laughs) up here. The wind up here. (laughs) So Kevin McCarthy. So, okay, Um, McCarthy um, wants to be Speaker of the House. There's no question about that. Fifty eight years old, had to back away from a bid seven years ago um, to be Speaker. And um, and ever since then, he's had his eye on the job. So. Republicans, so the party out of power typically wins uh, 26 seats. I always say it's 24, but it's in fact 26. In a president's first midterm election, that would give McCarthy a 21-seat majority. That's the average. I don't think... I'm not saying they're going to win 26 seats this time. I think it'll be less. I don't know how meant, how much less, but he should coast to the speakership with with that kind of a majority. But there's always a pocket of resistance in um, in the leadership and um, in the speaker's race, rather, and that is something we need to acknowledge. If Republicans end up with a five seat majority, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, McCarthy's going to have a tough time. Um, the size of the majority is an important thing for McCarthy. Now, listen, he's had a he has a better relationship with the right than ever before. But, you know, he's still got Trump, who is Trump and his allies, who are incredibly unpredictable, incredibly disloyal. And while Trump likes McCarthy, um, there are many in his orbit who don't um, and who have been trying to recruit somebody to be speaker. Um, uh, and... Um, some have suggested Trump's going to be speaker. That's not going to happen. Let me say that again. Donald Trump is not going to be speaker of the House. He's not going to be speaker of the House. He's not going to be speaker of the House. So um, that those are the dynamics at play for, for McCarthy. Do you have thoughts, Anna? Always. I always thoughts have on thoughts. on Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Go. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you laid it out really cleanly there. I think the question, you know, clearly... He, like Pelosi, is for Republicans the largest rainmaker. He's been putting in the work. He's been part of the recruitment effort. Um, he's kind of laid all of the, um, you know, the, the 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 groundwork that you need to do to become the next speaker. I think to your point that it, it is a smart one, which is that yes, there's always pockets of disloyalty or a few people who might not, you know, vote against you or abstain, but. 
the factions on the right of the Trumpian, you know, or the people that kind of put themselves in the uh, Trump-inspired camp of House Republicans um, aren't going to go down quietly, right? And I think the bigger question for McCarthy, and we're, we're not really getting this today, is like, even once he gets the speakership, then maintaining and actually governing becomes extremely difficult with that faction. But uh, let's move on, because I think the other point that's interesting is, you know, Steve Scalise, let's just kind of, I'll, I'll quickly uh, talk about him, and then we can go into some more interesting things, because Scalise, uh, Republican from Louisiana, completely solid in his job, is expected to ascend to that number two spot. Um, you know, strong fundraiser, star in GOP circles. But to me, the bigger question, and I know you and I have talked a lot about this, which is the question of what does Elise Stefanik do? Yeah, Elise Stefanik um, has probably the most enviable position in Republican leadership. She could basically do a number of things, not whatever she wants. No one could do whatever they want, except for me and you, but no one could do whatever <laughs> we want, whatever they want. Um, and but listen to think about what she has. She's the House Republican Conference Chair, which and she's gotten high marks, whether you like her or hate her. Her colleagues like her. Um, she has toyed with publicly um or uh, I don't know if she said it publicly, but people around her have said that she wants to be the education and labor, education and workforce and a Republican majority um, chair. I don't let me let me I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't know. I have no. I, I just think that that she is going to be the, the Republican conference chair again. Um, she raised a ton of money. She's a woman. Republicans need need a woman at the leadership table. I mean, they can't have McCarthy a man, Scalise a man. They can't have, uh, uh, they can't do that. And they're all, and McCarthy and Scalise are from these like deep red districts. They need somebody who is not that, you know? Um, she raises a ton of money, recruits a ton of women, whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat, the people who understand House politics see what she's done in recruiting women for running for office and say, man, that's really impressive. She she has it. We've gone over this. Uh, I did an interview with her where we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, so that's very interesting. Now, listen, and we'll get to Patrick McHenry, our our uh, 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 somebody we've covered for a very long time, someone who we're doing an event with in a couple weeks, Anna. Um McHenry is is um, if he doesn't run for whip, Stefanik could take a look at that race. Now I think that's a good seg. Unless you have any, do you have any more thoughts on Stefanik or Wells? That was a really good segue to what's Patrick McHenry going to do. Yeah, no, I think I mean I think honestly the McHenry quandary is kind of sets up either you know a lot of opportunities for people for him if if he chooses not to run for whip. Or if he does, what's going to happen with, you know, financial services? I think those two yeah. quandaries, you know, become a lot of people looking at his body language right now. Yeah. So McHenry is OK. Yeah, this is a big this is the biggest question that you just set up. I mean, that's what does he do? Does he for he's 46 years old. He's been in Congress for this is his ninth term. I mean, he's he's uh, he was a young rabble rouser in the Bush era Um he would be. He became chief deputy whip to Scalise in the Republican majority. He's been, built a reputation as a savvy inside player. Uh, raised a ton of money, and he's he's kind of vacillating between running for whip and running for House Financial Services chair. Um, and I don't, you know, 
in I think I'm I'm curious what you think here. I mean, listen, financial services is a great slot for him. He's he's good with with bankers. He's good with Wall Street. He's he's actually one of the people who understands um, one of the few Republicans or Democrats who understands the digital kind of economy, cryptocurrency, that whole thing. Um, he's fluent on that policy, but. And it, it would be a lot fewer headaches for him to just stay at financial services. But in many ways, I mean, his entire career, uh, you and I have covered a huge chunk of it, has been building up to a big leadership run. I mean, he's a, he, this is, if you asked me 10 years or, you know, five years ago, will Patrick McHenry eventually run for a top three leadership slot? We would, I think we would both say yes, right, Anna? I mean, this is something I, I he that's is. that's right, but I do, but I do think that, I don't know, you know, he's really settled into this financial services slot, you know, in terms of what you're saying, right? He's become kind of an expert in this. Um, I think he, you know, holds a lot of sway, you know, as ranking member, but clearly as chair when it comes to the digital economy, when it comes to the future of cryptocurrency, there's a lot of hot button issues where he could play a very substantive role and not have the headaches of leadership. And he's been out of the game and that leadership game for a while. And it's only gotten worse probably since he's gotten out of it. If I'm Kevin McCarthy um, and Steve and I'm Steve Scalise, you need to have a whip like McHenry. You just need to. Um, he In the majority, you need to have somebody who's not learning on the job. And I have to imagine that McHenry is... Um, is if I had to guess reading the body language, knowing what I know about McCarthy and Scalise, maybe just McCarthy in this case, um, uh, he's going to want McHenry as whip and he's going to lean on him to become whip. But McHenry is going to have to figure out where he could have more impact. Absolutely. And I just want to note, as you mentioned, uh, we are going to be doing a live in-person event with Mr. McHenry on April 27th at 9 a.m., where this and many other hot-button topics are sure to come up. So you can register for that at our events hub at punchbowl.news. Now back to our regular programming, Jake. Yeah, so who's, let's do this quickly because we've been talking about this for a while. Who will run the NRCC? Uh, this is between Rich Hudson of North Carolina and Darren LaHood. This is a classic kind of battle. Um, uh, LaHood raised a ton of money from Chicago donors, is a, is a big money maker for the Republicans. Hudson, though, is going to have an advantage here. He's going to have the South or the majority of it. He's going to have Texas because he was a former chief of staff from Texas. Wild card is Tom Emmer, the House Republican, the uh, National Republican Congressional Committee chair. He could make a play for another cycle if he is, um, uh, if he is, if Republicans win the majority. Um, he could also make the case to be a chief deputy whip for McHenry if the North Carolinian runs for leadership. Um, and then I think we could we could kind of wrap it up there. We have more in the morning edition, but we have other things to talk about. And this has been a long top. Agree. So definitely sign up for uh, our AM newsletter, punchbowl.news. In the meantime, the number two story of the morning, man, flashing red lights, a disastrous Quinnipiac poll for Democrats and in particular, uh, President Joe Biden's approval ratings in this poll, Jake, are just abysmal. Let's just get into it really quickly. Only 33% of adults overall approve of Biden's job performance as president, while 54% disapprove. The strongly disapprove rate is 
percent. Um, that is not a, a good look for President Joe Biden. And you know, I'll just say this: I mean, I think the White House and and any politicians say you know, a poll is just a snapshot, it's just a moment in time. But he has had some pretty bad polling this entire. Uh, year. And this is just another kind of data point where you really see the drag that the president has right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you could make the case that this is an, this is this is OK for anybody. If, if you're a Democrat, it is OK for any Democrat. Rather, uh, these numbers are horrible. Um, I mean, Hispanics, his approval rating with Hispanics is 26 percent. I mean, Lord have mercy. Um it's it's just really bad for him. Thirty one percent age adults aged eighteen to thirty four. It's twenty one percent with fifty eight percent disapprove. I don't know how you you put lipstick on this one. This is uh, uh, this is this is this is bad. Anyway, we can move on from there. This is just a really bad snapshot for Biden. All right. And the number three story of the morning, uh, Biden going out on the road to sell semiconductors. Obviously, this is one of the few pieces of legislation that is expected to move before the November midterms. He's going to North Carolina to talk innovation. Yeah, this is a um, this is another kind of example of the administration pushing USICA, the chips bill, whatever you want to call it. Going to North Carolina A&T, the largest um, HBCU in America with more than 13,000 people uh, enrolled. Uh, this is going to be a top priority for Washington when Congress gets back in after the Easter break. Uh, Congress, again, is out next week. Um, it's going to be a slog to get this done, but this is just a uh, this is McCarthy. Sorry, not McCarthy. This is Biden on the road trying to push that priority and bring it to life for Americans. All right. And with that, thanks so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.